Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, and I'll be joined, as always, by Dave and Becky. On today's show, we'll discuss the sudden rash of injuries that hit the Rangers just as they got into the thick of the playoff race, and specifically how the loss of Chris Kreider will impact the team moving forward. Igor Shosturkin returned to action on Saturday, but was it too soon? Uh, We'll also talk about playoff math, the lineup overall. I think Dave wants to talk about the coronavirus a little bit so and how that might impact the NHL schedule. So it really is a full full deck for you here uh, on this latest edition of Live from the Blue Seats. Uh, So, Becky, Dave, how are you guys feeling about the last couple of weeks here? It's been kind of a whirlwind. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it was a roller coaster. And uh, that's not a good thing. (laughs) It's like um, I said this before, right, that it. As a Met fan, the 2019 Mets were not very good, and then they played really well, and they were always kind of in it, and they had a really good August, I want to say it was, and then they played the Cubs in the end of August and just got swept and destroyed, and it was terrible, and that was your crashing back to earth moment, and I know that other people on Twitter definitely agree with me, fellow Met slash Ranger fans, of which there are not many, but a few, um, and it's it's like, a, you know, it's... You're happy because you're playing meaningful hockey in now March, but it's so stressful because if only you had a couple more points, you could definitely be in the playoffs and look at Columbus and they're decimated and look at the Islanders and they're not even really that good. And, you know, then you lose to the Devils who stink. And I mean, that's kind of a an, an overstatement or an un- whatever an incorrect statement because they've been playing well, but the Rangers should have washed them. Like that was, as Dave loves to call it, a classic trap game. Um, Playing the Flyers was really hard. It also really sucks to lose to Elaine Vigneault. And it's really funny to see Flyer fans' reactions and they're all like, hey, he's so great. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I thought in 2014. Give it two years, you know. Um, But look, I've said it over and over again that this is a rebuild. I am hopeful that they'll make the playoffs. There's definitely still hope. It's not mathematically out of it, and they're not even really non-mathematically out of it. But uh, they're playing good. Well, they were playing good hockey. They're playing meaningful hockey in the last month of the regular season, the last full month of the regular season. And it gives you a lot of hope when you look toward the future. And that's my rant. <laughs> yeah, I want to just reiterate what Becky's saying. This is a huge step forward for this team playing games that actually matter. I mean, the last two years in March, these games have been useless. We've just been grasping at straws for things to watch, like prospects coming up, or like maybe final games for specific players. But this matters and we're actually invested in games which is new for the past couple of years but from the trade deadline it's worth noting that the rangers did trade their best left defenseman and then they lost a top six forward right out of the gate with bushnevich in the car in car accident car injury and then Right as Bucinevich gets back, Chris Kreider grows and breaks his foot. And this team is not built to handle 
a top six injury like that, especially the play drivers of Bushnevich and Kreider, and that's a whole conversation for another day where Zibanejad is the skill on that line, but don't discount what Bushnevich and Kreider bring in terms of play driving and net front presence and dirty work to give Zibanejad the space there. They couldn't handle it. Phil DiGiuseppe's not a top-line guy, and it showed when the Rangers came out. They won two games, but they looked crappy doing it, and then they got smoked by the Flyers. If not for Zibanejad and five goals, and damn, that was impressive. Oh, man. Uh, well, let's, uh, before we end, I think we're going to, it was unbelievable, and we're going to dive into all of the lineup particulars and I think you know I think we should all kind of throw out some suggestions or or some takes about how the Rangers can improve with the healthy you know roster that they have um but let's just take a second or take a couple of minutes here to talk about what was you know I think it will look back on and what will be considered one of the great Ranger moments of all time was Mika Zibanejad scoring five goals in a game including an overtime winner it was one in at least one in each period it was obviously one in the first, one in the second, two in the third, and one in overtime. Um, just an absolutely unbelievable performance. Becky, I know he's pretty much your favorite player on the team. So, uh, no, pretty much there. How, he is. Yeah. How, uh, take us, take us to, to your kind of emotions watching that game and how you felt also in the aftermath of it. Well, full disclosure, I was going to take a second period nap during that game. <laughs> and and I, I, I asked you, Rob, I was like, tell me if someone scores. <laughs> and someone scored right away. And it was Mika. And I, needless to say, did not take a nap. I mean, he was a man possessed. And he has been. A, he, I need to pull up stats. And my bad for not having this up. But he's, it's ridiculous. He had seven goals last week. It, like, yeah. that's insane. And he's just so talented. He's 26 years old. And everyone, I mean, no one on the team is going to come out and say some, like, rude remarks about him after he scored, five, you know, five of the six goals that game. But, um, like, it seems like everyone in the locker room really loves him. He was, like, he seemed so humbled and so just in, like, in shock. And, yeah, you know, just not, like not a big bragger and I think if I scored five goals in a game I'd just like run down 7th Avenue naked because I could you know (laughs) yeah I mean I thought that too actually that he almost did seem in shock of what he himself had just done that was like the main takeaway from his post-game interviews and even some of the interviews he did the following day um yeah I mean I think he should be made the captain that's one one person's opinion here but he has all of the attributes of a captain, yeah. uh, especially for kind of a modern hockey team. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, the Rangers, you know, and again, I want to keep this focused on positive, but they, they need to do everything they can to make sure he's a Ranger for basically the rest of his career. I want to vomit. Please don't say He's that. got a contract <laughs> coming up to, you know, at the end of next year. So, um, but Dave, you know, the other thing I wanted to say, by the way, is that, and it gets back to the point Dave just made about, just hearing Madison Square Garden at that level of excitement and volume and just sheer exhilaration really takes you back to those playoff runs and and really puts into perspective, you know, what meaningful games can do, not just to uh, a young team, but but uh, but the organization as well. I mean, it really, you know, 
We haven't seen life like that in the Garden other than on opening nights, but even opening nights, more of a different vibe. That really felt like a playoff game and, um, you know, definitely one for people to remember, especially those that were lucky enough to be in attendance. But Dave, I don't know if you had any further thoughts about uh, Mika's big night. I mean, he's clearly not a one C. Um, <laughs> damn. I, I mean, come on. He only scored five goals. This game should have been 10 to six. He should have put up 10. <laughs> Just awful. I mean, I don't know how you guys see that he's a captain. I mean, taking the team on his back in a game that they had to win. Ugh. Did not, uh, so you know. selfish, too. Who, who, no yeah, so selfish. Ugh. No I mean, assists. come on. He didn't even get an assist in the game. Uh, for those I that hope everybody don't read the blog. Sarcasm. Yeah. For those that don't read the blog, I had a very sarcastic post after that game. And the number of people that didn't pick up on the sarcasm is alarmingly high and will never not be funny to me. <laughs> that was one of the best things I've seen. I loved the comments of that post. It was unbelievable. I well, But to be honest, Dave, I think well, the reason you wrote that post, correct me if I'm wrong, is, you know, not so much in the comments on our on our lovely blog, but, you know, even out there among some of the smarter people in hockey or some of the, um, you know, those that closely follow the sport, um, there, there have been a lot of people who have sort of made a case, whether it was statistically or based on the eye test or both, that Zibanejad's not really a, a number one center. You know, he doesn't stack up in terms of goals above replacement or, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, whatever the reasons might be. Or, you know, maybe he's not good enough defensively or doesn't suppress shots well enough, whatever those, uh, you know, arguments were. I think part of the reason you wrote that post was to basically throw that analysis in everyone's face. I mean, the guy is clearly one of the best centers in the National Hockey League. Yep, As that's exactly why I did that. As of Saturday, he had the highest goals per game in uh, or points per game in the NHL. So yeah, because he's missed so much time. Just just like let so just one thing, he's a free agent after uh 2022. So okay. my nausea will subside a little bit for now. But he has um 72 points in 55 games played. That's absurd. And last year was his first 70-point season. So, like, he's only getting better. And he'll be 27 in April. That's still your prime. It's, yeah. it's not, not terrible. Yeah. And, it's you know, it's really been remarkable. And the other um, – I think the other guy that really makes up the core and the, the top of this roster is Artemi Panarin, who uh, is finally oh, starting man. to get the recognition from a Hart Trophy candidacy that I think we all – uh, believe he deserved even four or six weeks ago. Um, you know, just from the impact, I would almost argue that he single-handedly made this season meaningful. You know, a lot of people talk about playoffs, needing to make the playoffs, which is a really silly, uh, you know, criteria for uh, a regular season MVP award. But, um, uh, you know, Panarin's impact on this team cannot be you know, uh, overstated. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm sure you guys both agree that um, he should be squarely in the running for the Hart Trophy. And honestly, I, I think you can make an argument over any of the current front runners pretty easily. I, I'm sure there's and I'm, there is an argument. I'm not saying he's like a runaway for the Hart Trophy, but it's it's a little alarming that up, up until maybe two weeks ago, no one was even mentioning his name. Yeah, that's the weird part is everyone's talking about Leon Dreisaitl and yeah he's having a great season he really is and when Connor McDavid was out he really put the team on his back 
But let's remember that he may be leading the team in scoring, but McDavid is either three or four in the league in scoring. Yeah. The only person, the MV, the Hart Trophy is the person that means the most to his team and was most valuable to his team across the league. You know, Drysdale still has McDavid. There's only one skater that can hold the candle to Panarin in terms of value to his team, and that's McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon in Colorado has done a lot with most of his team injured. Yeah, that's the only I, person I, I that's been in this conversation. I was going to say, I think Mc, McKinnon. I think McKinnon's the other guy that you know. It, it, I'll never have a, a ballot for these types of awards, but. For me, it would be Panarin one, McKinnon two, probably, um, and then probably Dreisaitl third. But you know, I've seen uh, Pasternak's name out there because he scored a bunch of goals. I think there's a couple other guys that I've seen that I've just been like, no way. I, I mean, just should not even be in the same room as Panarin and, and McKinnon uh, and those kind of top guys. But um, he's really changed the complexion of the whole season. Frankly, I don't think they're playing meaningful hockey in March without Artemi Panarin. And that, that to me makes this a, a hard trophy case. So Becky, I'm sure I know you wanted to get something in there as well. No, I didn't. I agree. Oh, <laughs> oh well, I, I, I apologize. That's okay. um, so that's the good stuff. The Rangers have elite talent at the top of their roster, which is really the most important uh, piece when you're building a contender. I think the issues for the team, as we talked about off the top and we could kind of transition into now are when you get into the core players, a la Chris Kreider, Pavel Buchnevich, Igor Shosturkin as well, all going down with injuries right after the trade deadline. And that impact has been huge. You know, So as we mentioned, Kreider uh, suffered a broken foot blocking a shot against Philadelphia in the first game of that home-and-home. Home. He's expected to miss four to six weeks. That injury occurred about 10 days ago. Uh, we're recording this on, on Monday night, so about 10 days from, from when we're recording this. So, I mean, the earliest he could come back is the end of March. Maybe he could get in the last game or two of the regular season, but that's even most likely a long shot. Um, so I'm going to put it to you uh, first, Dave. What has the impact been on the lineup, this, the Kreider injury? And, you know, how would you describe the impact it's had on the, the lineup overall? So I actually had this whole canned answer for this, and I just came across a tweet from Tom Ertz, and one of the things about, and it's not just Kreider's injuries, the two games without Bushnevich as well, mm-hmm. The Bushnevich actually leads the team in goals above replacement at 12.4, and of his wow. 44 points, 33 are at even strength, and all but eight are primary points, goals and primary assists. Mm-hmm. Kreider has a 7.6 goals above replacement. And Zabanajad has a 7.5. So based off of this, there's a huge case to say, and it's not that Bushnevich and Kreider are better than Zabanajad. That's not what this is saying. It's that right. the impact both of them have on the team and on that line should not be understated. And when you lose essentially one of them since the trade deadline, Bushnevich for two games, Kreider basically for the rest of the season, there's going to be an impact. And Phil DiGiuseppe is not the guy that can fill that hole. Neither is Brett Howden. Uh, I don't know who else has been tried on that line. We've seen Capo Caco struggle. 
There's a nice article about his skating, not struggles, his skating speed needs work, and his adjustment to the game and the North American way needs work. But the Rangers don't have anybody other than Panarin that can fit in that role. And you need Panarin with Ryan Strom because that's the only way he produces. And that Jesper Foss does do a lot more on that line than you give him credit for, even though he doesn't put up points. But there's nothing to replace these guys with, and that's the impact. If you're looking at Phil DiGiuseppe, who is a journeyman who has not, who wasn't even in the NHL to start the season, and he's your replacement, then there's a depth issue, and that's fine. The Rangers are not built for the playoffs this year. You need the depth to overcome that. Right. But it is what it is. I'm perfectly happy still watching this team. There's so much progress made this year, and they have a bona fide top line with these guys when they're healthy. And whoever you put with Panarin is going to score. So they have a bona fide second line. That's yeah. good when everybody's healthy. Get them healthy or get depth. One of the two. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Becky, would you load up the top line? Would you put Panarin with Zibanejad and, and Buchnevich now and just roll with that? Is that is that kind of the direction you would you would go? My heart says yes, but my head says no. <laughs> what, so why, why, why? Explain explain yourself. Well, because Zibanejad and Panarin on the same line is like very little in life makes me that happy. <laughs> like I can't explain it other than that. I mean, like just like, especially in over. I mean, I know over time it's three on three. It's chaos. There's so much open space. But the two of them, it's like ridiculous. It's like stealing like candy from a baby. It's beautiful. It's a cheat code. And yeah. It, it is. It's it a is. cheat code, right? It's like unplugging your opponent's freaking controller. Like, it's or NBA whatever. Jam they're probably cheat not code. still plugged in anymore. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they're unbelievable together. And I think there's no question that they would produce. But I think for the reason that Dave said that strong, you know, the depth is just not really there. So if you take Panarin off of the second line, you're going to have issues. Like, only that top line is going to score. And then it's easier for opponents to load up their good defense against just the top line as opposed to both right. lines. And, I mean, it doesn't – it frankly doesn't really matter this year because they're not winning the Stanley Cup, and that's okay. Um, so, for, like, chaos and just fun sake, I say, hey, why the hell not, you know? But, um, but that's why my heart says yes, but my head says no. I will say though, I'm surprised that they didn't put Gautier, or if they have it, what well, it hasn't been sustained on that line, yeah. just given how he's physically similar and you know much much younger and less mature in you know as a professional hockey player. But I am surprised they haven't put him on that line yet. Yeah, well, he does have pretty good skill as well. I mean, he made that pass in the in the Devils game on Saturday to Heedle for the first goal, which was which is a beautiful pass and showed great hands and offensive awareness um i i think that's i'm surprised they haven't tried that as well i i, I agree I, I that seems to be a decent plug-and-play option you know especially f- in the in the sense that um as you both illustrated um there's a there's a rightfully a, a hesitation to break up the rest of the lines um I do have a little bit of a devil's advocate, I guess, argument here. So when I saw the lines 
posted during Monday's practice, I, I put together a little Twitter thread just because I had a little bit of free time and sort of explaining, you know, basically this, that oftentimes hockey coaches tinker too much, right? That's that's basically everybody's complaint about any coach is that they change the lines and the, and the defense pairs too often. And uh, even when the team has a good game, you know, they'll almost always break it up after a loss. And um, that often interrupts chemistry and it doesn't give uh, guys a chance to play together and gel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would argue that Quinn is not tinkering enough at this point. Um, He's basically kept the lines the same. Again, in today's practice, he just stuck DiGiuseppe in Kreider's spot kept everything the same. Kako's still on the fourth line. I don't have a huge issue with that, or I don't think it's a cause for, you know, alarm bells like a lot of people uh, do. But, you know, we like to talk about trends, Dave. And and um, if you look at the Rangers' underlying numbers the last, you know, it's not a big sample, but the last five or six games, they've gotten kind of ugly again. You know, they're not really good since the trade deadline. I think Rob Luker tweeted this out um, in terms of shot share, in terms of expected goals. So... You know, is it time to really shake things up? And so, so here's what I threw out there, and I'd, I'd love to get your guys' feedback, and I'd love to, you know, I'd love for you to tell me that I'm an idiot and this won't work. But this, these are the lines I would run out or, or give a give a, tr- a shot in the interim, especially with Kreider hurt. Panarin, Zibanejad, Kako. So I'd give Kako some burn on the on the top line. Buchnevich, Hedl, and Fast. DiGiuseppe, Strom, Gautier, Lemieux, McKeg, Howden. So. And my reasoning, particularly with that, the second line uh, of Hedl, Fost, and Buchnevich, I think the concern with Hedl in second line matchups is his defense. But if you put him with Buchnevich and Fost, that kind of covers, that provides some cover defensively. Uh, the Kako move is solely to get him some looks with Panarin and Zibanejad and see if that could kind of restart his confidence. I think if you put Di Giuseppe and Gautier with Strom, you, you give him a play driving Fost type player in. Uh, in DiGiuseppe uh, and Gautier is obviously a skill guy who can maybe finish and then I think Lemieux McKeg Howden is is what it is as a fourth line I think there's some potential there I kind of like Greg McKeg as a, as a fourth line center honestly I think he's a guy you could probably keep around for cheap next year um, so anyway sorry that was a lot but I propose shaking this lineup up because I, I don't really think a lot's a lot of good has been happening the last five games what are you doing with DiGiuseppe He's on the third line with Ryan Strom. So it basically moves Strom down to the third line and it separates him and Panarin. So I know that that might... No, I just uh, I couldn't remember. Short-term right. memory is really doing well today. Um, okay. I think... Oh, I love Kako, but I don't know that I love him on the first line. Yeah. Not yet, I think that's least. fair. Yeah, yeah. That's like my biggest, like, feedback there i just don't yeah. know if he's and and they've definitely put him they've definitely tried him on on the top lines one or two i can't remember but earlier in the season i mean he has now much more experience under his belt you know even though it's not a lot of experience overall it's more than he had at the beginning of the year so but i don't i don't know I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and and the way and look, I mean, I get I, I also I understand why Quinn has largely decided to keep it together. At this point, your team is what it is. 
and you expect the you know the players to kind of figure it out and and play better frankly you know knowing that they're capable of that you know it's, it'd be one thing if he was sticking with lines that never worked but these lines have worked obviously they just really really miss Chris Kreider and that that's a huge issue um the other issue that that I think we should talk about a little bit is is obviously Brady Shea getting traded uh has definitely had an impact on the defense uh even though you know he hasn't been great in Carolina and I think we we knew Brady Shea probably wasn't the uh first pair left-handed defenseman of the future and he was kind of being paid like it um but the def- the defense pairs and and the, the the defense lately has not been great save for one great game by Brendan Smith um I think against St. Louis he had a really hit a really solid game but I haven't liked what I've seen from Truba Mark Stahl's gone back to really, really bad, like almost unplayably bad, and that's affecting D'Angelo. Um, and the Fox Lindgren pair has been good, but they're rookies. So, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the uh, the defense? So, when the Rangers traded Shea, the big thing that they traded is at the very least a minutes eater that had right. chemistry with Truba, and that pair could eat twenty minutes a night. They don't have that anymore, and because of that, Mark Stahl and Brendan Smith get more time, mm-hmm. and that's the step down. No matter what you think of Brady Shea, he is still better than Brendan Smith on the top pair, and he's infinitely better than Mark Stahl anywhere on the lineup. That's where they miss Shea. Is not, oh, they miss Shea, it's the guys replacing him and this goes back to the roster construction and the depth. Ryan Lindgren is a pleasant surprise. I don't think many yeah. people had him pegged with this kind of season. But he is not a top-pairing left defenseman. He's a bottom-four guy. The Rangers don't have any top-four left defensemen. They don't. And that's yeah. what happens when you trade Shea. It, the combination of losing him... And then losing a top six forward gutted this team, and that's why they look so bad. Minus the St. Louis game, but they look really good. Yeah, well, they've had a, they've had some flashes in this two week period. I think the St. Louis game was a solid game. Um, there's one or two others in there that I think they you know played better than their opponent, um, and they got a couple of wins. You know, it's not like they've lost six in a row or whatever, but. Um, no, it's true. I mean, that was the thing with Shea. And, and, and I think him and Truba had developed some chemistry. Uh, Truba looks a little bit lost now trying to refine his footing, um, you know, with a new That's partner. And his... That's really irritating. Like, Truba should be a, a top, top defenseman. He You, you can't be, like, freaked out because your friend got traded. I'm sorry. I don't think not... that he's freaked out because his friend got traded. He's Brendan Smith is serviceable, but not in that role. And... It is what it is. He's Truba struggled, and he is certainly not the eight million guy, eight million dollar guy. But I, I don't think it's because his friend got traded. I think it's because he's playing with an inferior defenseman who doesn't belong in the top pair. Well, right, but what you know, what I will say to that, Dave, and I, I kind of agree with with Becky here, is that if you're making that type of money and you you come with the, the you know the pedigree and expectations that he came with, I mean, remember this was a guy that. A lot of people were saying they knew he was going to be available. He'd be a perfect fit for the Rangers. Side size, good skating, had a fifty point season under his belt. I think just generally speaking, he's underwhelmed this year. And and look, I know there's an adjustment period to New York. 
I'm not saying they should get rid of him right away, but you know that contract could start looking really bad if he doesn't show improvement within the, within the next couple of years. Um, yes, and I, and I think true. the the larger point is that you know a true a defenseman that makes that type of money, a truly top you know pairing defenseman, can carry an inferior mm-hmm. uh, you know partner. We saw Ryan McDonough do it when was, he was in his prime. Say. Oh, God. Remember right, Ryan yeah. McDonough? <laughs> Dragging around the right, courts Ryan of McDonough. Dan Girardi. Even, I mean, even Adam Fox, to some extent, has done it with Lindgren, although I think Lindgren's, you know, he's no anchor. But I think it's clear that Fox has raised Lindgren's game. Even Tony D'Angelo made Mark Stahl look decent for 15 games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact that Truba—and look, maybe— Maybe we'll be eating crow and we'll be listening to this podcast and it'll already be already be dated in two two days because he'll have two great games here on this road trip and um and and he'll prove me wrong. But I'm on board with Becky. I expected a lot more from this guy and I'm I'm not thrilled with especially his performance as of late. So yeah. let me throw something Although out that- there to you guys. If we're talking about trying to figure out Truba and seeing what he can do. Is there any validity to, or not validity, I don't know what word I'm looking for here. Like merit? (laughs) Merit, yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. To trying Lindgren, who is your current best left defenseman, on the top pair with Truba, and then letting Fox skate with Smith, and seeing if that kind of balances out a little bit. Do you think Truba looks better with Lindgren? Is there a better fit there since Lindgren is more of a stay-at-home guy and obviously he's better than Smith, which allows Truba to kind of do his more two-way game aspect? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a good idea um, and it's it's probably worth worth trying. Um, the, other, the other option is to try to put D'Angelo on the left, which is something we've been uh, oh, pining God. for. I've been harping um, on that for a while. And, and, and I think a D'Angelo-Truba pairing might look really good because that's really complimentary. As you said, Dave, you know, Truba's kind of a two-way guy. But even when he was with Shea, you know, Shea seemed to be the guy that, you know, he's a great skater. He, he seemed to be the guy that was transporting the puck up the ice. And Truba was kind of, you know, waiting at the blue line for his big slap shot. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting point. I, I, I do think this speaks to the larger thing, you know, again, shaking up the lineup especially if things don't go well early early uh on in the in the game on uh Tuesday night uh against Dallas I think we could see some changes so um to the lineup um Becky did you have any any other thoughts on the defense overall Yeah I mean I think like Truba's shown he's had games and I don't mean to say like he's terrible and we should buy him out and whatever you know but um He's he's definitely shown in a lot of in a lot of games that he's got really good sense and good skills, and maybe it is just a matter of getting used to. It. I mean, the only person I've ever seen who just naturally acclimated to New York City is Artemi Panarin, yeah. and we can't all be Artemi Panarin. So, um, so yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying like he's a total wash and he sucks and we need to get rid of him, but I, he's he's had some pretty bad like mental gaffes I think in the last couple of games as most of the team has um and also Lindgren is such a pleasant surprise and that's that's all I yeah. have to say about them <laughs> he, he's really no he's really been solid and gotten better as the season's gone on in my opinion so and his cool. poor face 
Oh man! Oh I know. man! Poor kid. <laughs> Just taking sticks every other game. Um, all right, so we talked about the forwards. We talked about the defense. Let's talk about the goalies because it's New York, and there's always some sort of goalie drama. It seems here with the Rangers. Um, they brought back Igor Shesterkin on Saturday in the Devils game, less than two weeks after he was in a car accident that apparently fractured a rib. And uh, he looked a little bit rusty. The Rangers lost to the Devils, a clearly inferior opponent, although they have been playing better. We'll caveat it. They were still on the second day of a back-to-back. So the Rangers were, and the Rangers were at home. It's a game they should have won. I think we can all agree on that. And it was a game they needed to win. So, you know, let's talk about this. It it certainly was the hot topic uh, over the weekend. Was he rushed back? Did the Rangers kind of mismanage the situation? And how could they have handled it better? Um, Dave, what do you think? I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything about his injury. I don't know anything about his recovery time or anything. So was he rushed? Well, yeah, back? let's and let's yeah. B- before you hang on, before you say that, let's let's go. Let's all agree right now that we're assuming that, that the Rangers here did not put him in the net with a chance of re-injuring his rib. I don't no. think they're that negligent. So do we no. all agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think we're I, yeah, we I, agree with that. Yeah. I pray at the church of Jim Ramsey. Like, I don't think he's out there <laughs> with a broken rib. So. Totally. Go okay. On, David. Sorry, Dave. Go on. Yep. So they had an opportunity to put Shesterkin in the AHL a quick conditioning stint to give him a game or two over the weekend because Hartford did play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They had yep. this opportunity, and why they chose not to, I don't know. I maybe Shesterkin looked good in practice. Again, we don't know. But I think that was a missed opportunity, especially because Shesterkin looked very rusty in the first period. It's not that he gave up the soft goal that he gave up. It's He was a little bit jumpy with his movements. He was a little bit delayed moving side to side. And that's a sign of rust. If he got the game in Hartford and then went back up, at least the rust is out. And we've seen that he can go back and forth pretty well. That's the only missed opportunity there. If if he was if they won the game, we wouldn't be talking about this. Yeah, agree. Right. Yeah, Becky, what are your thoughts on the the goalie situation? I think it's a word that I can't use on this podcast because I think like we're like R-rated movies and we have to limit the amount of cursing we do. <laughs> But it's if you put a letter after the S in situation that comes after G and before I, that's how I feel about it. I <laughs> deeply, truly thought that Georgiev would be gone. And now I feel sad because nobody is getting playing time. And I'm really sick of reading about sad Henrik Lundqvist on my GD timeline. And... I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't I don't think they should rush Igor back, but I also don't think that Igor felt rushed back. I would bet the house that he wanted to go back, requested to go back, told everyone he felt great, went through a physical, felt great, looked good in practice. I just, I don't think that, I, I, I have faith in the front office and in the coaching staff enough to not believe or to believe that they do not think that they need to rush Igor back in order to prove something or win a game you know like I just yeah like if Benoit Allaire has taught us anything it's that he should be trusted 
and yeah and so i trust him um he didn't look good but it was really like a full team garbage fest and <laughs> and that game well, it was that game stunk that was like a tire fire on top of a it, dumpster fire in a fiery pit of fire it was just garbage how so, many times can you say was, fire in a sentence fire 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 it um, was it was it was almost the um perfect opposite to the capitals game even though you know like the capitals game was back and forth you'd like not Caps to game was pretty wonky yeah i mean that game yeah was and like you don't ridiculous. want to blow four leads in a game either no i know it's true it, it was you know fire wagon hockey as mike emmerich likes to say but um but no i mean that was a defense optional skate by the rangers on saturday against the devils that was oh yeah i and i was very angry becky will tell you i was like seething <laughs> on the couch the entire game and it, it was <laughs> erica was like it looks like Rob's going to tweet. <laughs> like, yeah, oh boy. I, I was at the ready. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were watching with some friends and I was just, but, but again, in a, you know, think of how you feel when you get really jacked up for a playoff game. And I know it's not a playoff game, but these are big games relatively as we've spoken about. And the team just comes out and looks like they don't care. And that's really what that looked like. And I, and I totally get why David Quinn was upset. He had the, every right to be. Um, and they really let an opportunity slip by to gain ground in the playoff race um, and beat a team that they should have beaten. And I was, I was angry and, and I, and I was also upset because I agree with you, Dave, in the sense that they could have sent Igor down to Hartford to get a game and then he could have been ready to go and, and probably, he probably could have played the back to back, uh, this coming this week in Dallas and, and Colorado. You know, I know a lot of people don't like to, to have goalies play back to back, but, um, the Rangers have had success with it over the years. When, when you have elite goalies, I think, uh, like a lot of other things in hockey, you can kind of, um, skirt the uh, the trends a little bit. So, um, look that that was a that was a rough game, and and I think the the more the larger concern is just looking at goaltending in a vacuum. And this is something that Steve Valaket, friend of the podcast, we'd love to have you on, Steve, um, said in the post game. I think you know he as he you know he does a shot by shot breakdown of every game. And I think he basically said in the last five games, Ranger goalies, and all three of them played, have all let in at least one soft goal, low danger chance goal. Um, so, you know, if that's the uh, situation, you're probably not going to win a lot of hockey games this type of, this time of year. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the defense hasn't been great, but the goaltending has not been up to standard either, frankly. That's actually the first time in a while that they haven't had the goaltending to match the defense or the defense to match the goaltending. We, in October, November, had everything being a tire fire, which is what they look like now. We had that period in December where they looked really good, but the goaltending wasn't there. And then it all clicked in January, February, and they look like an NHL team. Now, uh, the goaltending's not there, and... The Rangers need to make a decision. I'm not surprised Georgiev is still with the team, especially considering the car accident. But his value is more at the draft. And if the Rangers are going to, in the future, have a two-goalie system, which would be absolutely spectacular, then (laughs) Georgiev, and I'm beating this drum the way I'm beating the D'Angelo to the left side drum, Georgiev is the guy that has the value, especially if Shesterkin is the guy of the future. You know? This is common sense. So you split. I know that one of the questions we were talking about was what's the future for at least for this season? And that is 
and I feel horrible saying this, Georgiev and Shesterkin split the starts going forward. You give Lundqvist a spot start here and there. You give Lundqvist the start at home on April 4th, their final home game this year. Yeah, You have to do that. I, that's a hill I die on. You have to give him that start. And then you, in the offseason... Even if they... Even if they need the game to make the playoffs, so say the Rangers uh, are like, you gotta give me say it's a question. You gotta give me, say, dick. <laughs> say it's say it's a win and in. Let's assume it's it's a win and in, and we'll talk about the playoff math. But they're sitting there at ninety four points. If they win, they're in. Do you start Henrik Lundqvist at at the Garden on April fourth against Chicago, a You're Chicago a team, by the way, that is. That is uh, very good offensively and very bad defensively. So you're probably going to score, but you probably need to keep a few pucks out as well. Yeah, I'm going to preface this with you're a jerk. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, so you put in Shesterkin or Georgiev to start, and hopefully you get a big enough lead where you can give Lundqvist the proper ovation he deserves. And obviously Lundqvist's... Lundqvist controls his own fate here. I'd, from a team perspective, it doesn't make sense to trade him. He gets nothing. It doesn't make sense to buy him out. They have the cap space. But if he right. wants to go, then he's earned that right to either be traded at 50% if a team is willing to take that on or be bought out if that's his wish. But you got to give him that credit and... I'm off my soapbox on this one. No, no, I, I, no, it's, it, I agree. And, you know, he deserves a proper send off. And, you know, unfortunately, sports are unpredictable and it's hard to, it's hard to say. You know, in an ideal world, they're clinched, right? They win how many games they have left? 14. They win their next 13 games and they're solidly Mm -hmm. in and then they can give them the game. But, you know, most likely that's not going to happen. And it's interesting, uh, you know, to me and, and uh, you know, the irony, by the way, is that he came in in the third period of the double game and, and actually looked really sharp, made a save on a breakaway um, and looked better than he did in the in the Philly game when he last started, when he was clearly rusty because he hadn't played in weeks. And that's ultimately the problem with having three goalies is, you know, there's not enough games and it actually forces the coach, uh, David Quinn, obviously, to um, to play one of them to give one of them a preponderance of the starts, right? So, you know, by default, the other two are going to be rusty and it's, it's really kind of a no win situation. So, um, so that's it. That's kind of it on the goalies. Let's talk playoffs since we were kind of uh, already bleeding into that part of the conversation. So heading into action on, yeah, (laughs) there it is. That's, we were, we're going to get a lot of use out of that gif, I think over the next few weeks. Um, Playoffs. Ooh, my voice just cracked. That is not supposed no, to happen. You're 36 years sound, old. But that sounded like the guy, like the, the Jim Mora. Yeah, the yeah. Colts, Colts coach at the time. Yeah, one of the all-time epic rants. Um, Rangers are three points out of a playoff spot. They are five behind Columbus, who's in the wild card one spot. The wild card two spot is currently held by Carolina. Um, the Rangers have two games in hand on Columbus, which is great. But Carolina and the Islanders have a game on hand, a game in hand on the Rangers, so that's not in their favor. Um, Dave, you've been crunching the numbers here as you're wont to do. What do you think the magic number is that the Rangers need to make the playoffs, and how can they get there? I love the backhanded uh, nerd compliment there. Thank you. 
Nerd. Big Nerd. numbers guy. Nerd. Um, so I've been pegging 98 points for a while, but because Columbus, Carolina, and the Islanders have all been just awful lately, as has they, Pittsburgh. They by really the way, have. Two and eight in their last 10. Damn. Pittsburgh's trash. Yeah. Yeah. They're garbage. And they'll that make number, it and they'll go to the damn Stanley Cup. Probably. Shush you. If that <laughs> happens, I'm going to throw something at you. Because you're the one that just, you just willed it into existence. I didn't know. No, you know who willed it into existence? Like NBC Sports willed it into existence like 15 stupid years ago. (laughs) All right. Fair, fair, fair. Still throwing something at you. Anyway. That's fine. With everybody being just bad and the Rangers losing four of their last five now, that number is down to about 95 points. So that gives the Rangers, I believe, four regulation losses and one OT loss remaining before they miss out. Look at 14 games, 28 points remaining. They mm-hmm. need 14 times 2, yeah, 28. They need 20. 20 uh, 19. Yeah. They need 19 points yeah. out of 28. Right. So. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Here's the here's the interesting thing though. The Rangers just need to tie a team ahead of them. Yes. Because That's a great they have point because 30 regulation wins. More than yep. Columbus at 25, Carolina at 26 and the Islanders at 24. All they need is to tie somebody and they have the tiebreaker and that is huge. That is enormous and uh, the Rangers also having so many regulation wins, by the way, more than also Toronto, more than Pittsburgh, both teams that are in um, the top three in their respective divisions. Yeah, but so, what if I told you Toronto was garbage? I mean, they're they're trash, and we've we've trashed the Leafs on this podcast before, and we'll we'll do it again, I'm sure. But sure uh, in the interest of time, well, um, what if I yeah, told I mean, you the Bruins were zero and seven in the shootout? Wow. That's yeah. surprising, actually. That's really surprising. So they yeah. should probably actually have a few more points already. Yeah, they should probably <laughs> have like 102 points or something. If it was a proper coin flip, they'd be 4-3 and three or 3-4. Three and four. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, this, this, we've gone over the standings points uh, system and how silly it is way back in episode one, which you can find on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to this. Go back and listen. It's still topical. Um, the... Look, it's an uphill battle. I think that's that's the the uh, the reality here. And the Rangers definitely hurt themselves by, you know, what what really bothered me also about the Devils game, as I mentioned before, that I was seething on the couch, was that that was the last game of a four game homestand. They went one and three on the homestand. They now have only five home games left this season uh, of the fourteen remaining, and an absolutely brutal uh, brutal three game road trip right now coming up with uh, Dallas. Colorado and Arizona. So those are all solid teams that need the points. Dallas is in uh, third in their division. Colorado is in second in their division uh, ahead of Dallas by eight points. And Arizona is within striking distance of a playoff spot. They're only two points out. So those teams are going to be desperate as well. These are not easy games and they are not good matchups for the Rangers at all, especially the Dallas game. They really struggle with those low event, uh, dull teams, which Dallas very much is. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tough, but, um, you know, I think we're keeping the faith, right? You know, uh, so so what do the Rangers have to get out of these three games? You know, 3-0 and is probably unrealistic, but five points out of six, 2-1, 2-0-1, something like that probably? 
I am. They have to win in Arizona because I'll be there. That's right. Becky's making the road trip with the with the with the boys. Assuming we're still allowed to go to uh, hockey games with coronavirus coroning about. But, okay, yeah. uh, don't get me started on coronavirus. Anyway, <laughs> Dave Rangers, really wanted to talk about coronavirus, uh, but I think we're going to overrule that one. Yeah, the Rangers need one and a half points per game, which is about two thirds of the points going forward. Mm-hmm. I th- roughly, if my math one and is a half is seventy five percent. Seventy five percent. Seventy five percent. Thank you. Yeah. So seventy five percent of the points on this road trip. Um, two and one will suffice. Got to beat Dallas. Got to beat Arizona. I'm okay with a loss to Colorado because they are the best team in the West. Despite them trailing St. Louis by two points, they are the best in the West. Uh, the, you like them better than you like them better than Vegas. That's tough because Vegas is on a run right now. They were. Yeah. They were a victim of Marc Andre Fleury and his age catching up to him. Yeah, but which is I, happening a I, lot this year. Yeah, it is. And I don't. I really like Colorado at thirty-seven regulation wins, which is, I believe, third in the league, or tops in the league actually. Tied with yeah, I think it's tied for tops. tied with Boston for one. Yeah. I don't know what the, yeah, I don't have the really schedule good. up in front of me, but this week you got to get at the very least four points. Yeah, and that's tough. I mean, it's three road games. They've been decent on the road this year for sure. Um, I am pulling up the schedule now. So after those three games, they come home for two versus Calgary and Pittsburgh, and then they go to Pittsburgh the following week. So those are the six games between uh, now and our next podcast, honestly. Um Away Dallas, away Colorado, away Arizona, home Calgary, home Pittsburgh, away Pittsburgh, and then away to Buffalo. That's a Sunday afternoon game. So those got to be seven Buffalo. games. Got to be Buffalo. Yeah, gotta I mean, there's, be Buffalo. there's there's very clear must wins here, and honestly, they have to get better at home. You know, I know the home road thing isn't quite as pronounced as it is in other sports. You know, you look at the NBA, you look at uh, baseball. The teams that make the playoffs usually have insanely good home records, and there's. You know, there's a lot more parity in the NHL, so you get a lot more teams that win more frequently on the road. But the Rangers have been, you know, even though there's been some great moments and great games this year, they've lost a lot of home games. And going one and three on this past homestand, which consisted of the the Flyers, Blues, Caps, and Devils games, again, you know, in a playoff push, you got to go three and one, maybe two one and one to try and pick up enough points to to inch into a playoff spot. If they, you know, look, if they if they got uh, five points instead of two. On this homestand, that's the difference between being in two, being uh, two two places behind the second wild card, or being in the second wild card. The Devils' loss was really bad. You know, with that, if they get that win the way they should have, they're a point back of the Islanders and Carolina. Both of them have a game in hand on the Rangers, and they're only three points back of Columbus, and they would they have two games in hand. And they're in yep. free fall because all they do is get hurt. Yeah, Columbus is, is really struggling. Carolina's got uh, a really tough schedule as well. I think they go back-to-back every single weekend, and they're all on the road. I think I saw someone mm-hmm. tweet about that. Schedule makers did them absolutely no favors. Is that right, Becky? Yeah, Wyshynski said that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it is a very, it's a very brutal schedule for them. So 
look, we'll be doing a lot of scoreboard watching. It's going to be a really fun and exciting last month. And it's always good, as we said, to have meaningful hockey. So, um, all right, guys, last segment here. And we actually, for the first time, have a couple of fan questions. So thank you to both uh, Michael Silvers, who is at M Silvers 1979, and also MU Nation 2 for submitting questions. And if you want to uh, submit a question to the next episode of the podcast, you can tweet at Blue Seats Live and use the hashtag Live from the Blue Seats. All right, so question one, let's go to Michael Silvers. Is Henrik Lundqvist a Ranger next season? And if we don't see him on the team next year, how do you want to see him go out? So we already kind of answered that one, but... Um, Becky, why don't you give us your kind of take? Is Lundqvist still the Ranger? Well, with the Rangers next year? Uh, no. God help me. No, and um, I mean, I'd like to see him start the last game of the season, even if it counts. Um, and I think that this whole three goalie situation kind of did him a little bit dirty, and that's that's it. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> I don't want to talk Dave, about it. I'm trying to be Dave, happy. I think I know where you stand on this, but let's let's get your answer anyway for the sake of the, the segment. For the sake of the segment, he is a Ranger it, it, next season. Okay. Uh, I still want to see him get that final home start just because my opinion doesn't mean anything. My guess doesn't mean anything. I'm wrong more than I'm right. Um, but logically speaking, Georgiev has the trade value. It doesn't matter... That he's had that he let in a weak goal here and there. He has the body of work. He's shown that he can be and is a number one goalie in the league. That has trade value, tangible trade value that you can package with a number one pick that they have two of now, and get something to address the left side of the defense, the way that they addressed the right side of the defense the last year. So right. he's a Ranger next year. He is a backup goalie next year. And I think he will be one of the best backup goalies in the league because we've seen that he still has it. He's he's 38 years old. He's not what he was when he was 24, 25, 26, or even in 14, 15 when the Ranger when he was basically putting the Rangers on his back. Uh, he he's a Ranger, and then get him the final home game. And if the Rangers are out of it next season, trade them at the deadline, eat 50%, get future considerations back. However, my absolutely worst fear is the Rangers trade them to a contender and make a run, and then they face them in the finals. I won't know <laughs> what to do. Yeah, uh, yeah well, That sounds horrible. That sounds yeah, that's, that's horrible. my biggest fear. That is, not, that, that is my biggest fear, unlike the coronavirus. <laughs> which you're not afraid of at all no you're washing I just, your hands I, I just drank a corona I'm good God. you're you're good that's that's the vaccine <laughs> um, I'll answer the question I'll say he is a ranger next season I'll keep it short and sweet alright one more and actually Dave you kind of answered this but again from uh, at MU Nation 2 um, this is about Alexander Georgiev so again just constant goalie drama here uh, in Rangers Town even though I don't think they call it Rangers Town anymore but I'm going with it. Yeah, I know. That was ill-fated marketing campaign that lasted three seasons too long. We should um, get Bobby Granger do you on think, the show at some point. Do you think <laughs> Georgie's stock has gone down far enough to suggest a less-than-desirable trade at the draft or no trade at all? So basically, uh, just to kind of uh, reiterate, 
because he hasn't played as much, do we think that's affecting his trade value to the point where they won't be able to move him? Dave, you don't seem to think so. But uh, again, just to kind of give an answer on that quick. No, GMs don't ride hot and cold. Nobody really has trade value that goes up or down. That's a little bit of a myth that, <clears throat> excuse me, that we made up. There was a good post that River Ave Blues ran, Mike Axis ran. Basically, uh, it was the premise was your trade proposal sucks, and the one of the first <laughs> bullet points was your trade proposal sucks because nobody rides hot and cold waves for trade value. It, right, that's a complete myth. The league knows what he is, and we as Ranger fans may over or inflate his value because we're Ranger fans and we're biased, but he's at the very least a, a legitimate starter with potential that has value. Yeah, and also to throw out there, have you seen how bad goalies are? Like, <laughs> have you watched other games? These goalies are garbage. Fact. We That's are true. Spoiled. We are spoiled, and I like it. You know how much of it has to do with Benoit Lair? Probably a lot, but like we are so spoiled. So, yeah. You know, on the in in the uh, continuing the theme of positivity here, and you know this is for another day and maybe a post on the blog, but I think the Rangers have a much stronger kind of organizational infrastructure than people realize, particularly with things like the goalie coach, the way they evaluate goalies. You know, they've really um, not had a miss on one in a long time. If you think about it, they've been able to unearth guys. I mean, Georgiev's an undrafted free agent. Um, obviously, they got Lundqvist in the seventh round, um, but also their scouting department. I mean, their scouting department has been really solid in terms of turning up really good players that um, play a lot of NHL games, which is one of the, the best ways to measure the value you get out of the draft. You know, even if a guy doesn't become a star player, think of a guy like Jesper Faust, who is a third or fourth round pick, who's now played, what, three, four hundred NHL games already almost. So, um, you know, shout out to the, the the Rangers organization for not being the dumpster fire that its fans uh, often think it is. Um, <laughs> yep. Real quick, we're, speaking of kind of scouting and new guys, uh, there's a couple of new players that may join the team uh, via Hartford, at least in the coming days. Well, one was signed earlier uh his name is uh, sorry i think i'm gonna butcher this it is kodarenko is it matthew kodarenko did i get that wrong you'll have to excuse patrick, us guys. patrick kodarenko patrick kodarenko yeah sorry he'll never that. be on the pod apparently <laughs> no he's coming on we're gonna get him this summer sorry pat uh, Matt, it's Patrick Matt. Kodorenko. So he's assigned as a free agent. He's a center out of Michigan State. I think he had over 30 points in every college season since his sophomore year. Um, any quick takes there, Dave? I know you were reading up a little bit about him. He is a guy that went undrafted. He basically outscored Michigan State's second score by 10 or 11 points. Michigan State wasn't good this year. The yeah, Rangers are a powerhouse. Are th- no, they were bad. They used to be a powerhouse. Now they're just not. They, The Rangers need centers. They have no center depth. And even if you look at Filipino being the second, the two C of the future, there's nobody behind him. Ryan Strom is yeah. a hot topic. But Brett Howden, we've seen, is not long for this team, probably. They need help. And based off of what Josh Calvin, who used to write for the team, has said... <clears throat> this is a good signing. 
you got nothing to lose here. He's a free player. You didn't even need to spend a draft pick on him. He is literally just an NHL contract slot at 50. Con- uh, the Rangers at now for next year, um, they're going to be under the 50 mark again. They're going to be well under it. It's it's a good contract. It's a good signing. I got nothing wrong with it. Yeah, well, and right. And they also have Morgan Barron in the system. He's the only guy that's a center, I think, that comes to mind. And I know he's had a really solid career at Cornell as well. But you're right. Other than that, it's pretty barren down the middle, which is arguably the most important position outside of goalie. It's probably the most important skater position if you're trying to build a contender. So, uh, you know, Mika needs help and hopefully help is coming soon. All right. And then last thing, uh, it was reported earlier today that Ke'Andre Miller is they're talking to him that he may choose to leave uh, the University of Wisconsin, whose season ended uh, this past weekend. Uh, he may choose to leave and turn pro. Uh, I believe that would be on a uh, a tryout to the Hartford Wolfpack. So I don't think we would see Miller in a Ranger uniform this year. But there's a good chance we ch- we could see him uh, next year with the with the big team. So um, that obviously very highly touted draft pick, first round pick, a guy that they moved up in the draft uh, to get. So um, and 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 really just a you know uh, an exciting player and. Um, you know, one that I think we're all hoping to see sooner rather than later. And, and it addresses another need as well with the, as we talked about before, the left side of the defense kind of being a bit barren as well. So um, cool. I think that's it. Anything else you guys want to uh, throw out there before we head out? Yeah, I just want to say that fantasy playoffs started for me last week and I had a bye and I have Mika Zibanejad on that team. I just wanted to share that with everyone everybody send Becky you know your thoughts and prayers for her please I need extra thoughts and extra prayers thank you (laughs) we know those are effective Um, All right, guys well that's it Uh, Live from the Blue Seats is a production of Blue Seat Blogs make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already we're currently available on iTunes Spotify SoundCloud Google Play and hosted on Acast if you can spare a minute, please leave us a rating and review as it helps other fans find the show. Check out blueseatblogs.com, the longest running fan site for all things Rangers, from news and opinion to video analysis and more. For Dave and Becky, this is Rob signing off. We will see you next time.